Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And today, our guest, John Rothstein, CBS Sports, CBS Basketball, uh, the number one college insider there is. And the thing that I love about John, since I've known him for the last 15 years, is that there's no one who has done a better job of developing himself from someone that had never worked in that space to all of a sudden become the number one insider. I tell him, he's just like Woj's in the NBA. He's like Adam Scheffner's ESPN for football, pro football. He's just amazing. And it's really a two-part thing. This was done when we put this together. Zach and I wanted to give a college preview to you know all the coaches out there who love college basketball as we do. But at the same time, when we started to talk to John, all of a sudden, what was coming through loud and clear to us was how he became to become the number one person and what he has done, how he shaped himself, how he developed an identity. All those secrets are really the same things that make you a great coach. So listen closely in the beginning of how he established himself in the college business in this field, and you'll find out if you're a recruiter, if you're a bench coach, if you're a high school coach, how it comes down to work ethic, relationships, and how he separates himself from others by being different. But his overwhelming preparation and thoughtfulness and the way he goes after stories make him a star. So I think those are the same techniques and the same characteristics that we want to apply to coaching. So after we listen to our sponsors and come back after this timeout, enjoy John Rothstein. You will have your college basketball preview for this season. I'm so excited to announce our new partner, Instat. Instat is a powerful web-based platform which enables you to store, edit, and share video linked to statistics. Their video database contains over 30,000 player profiles and nearly 7,000 team profiles. Thousands of basketball games from all over the world are uploaded daily, with many of them filmed exclusively by Instat. Instat's user-friendly interface is very intuitive. The flexible filtering system will fit the needs of coaches at all levels. You can sort through specific play types, locations on the court, lineups, and various other parameters. The Instat system contains multiple tools that clients from all over the world utilize for scouting, recruiting, coaching and player development, video editing, and tagging. They also take an individual approach to each client. The wide network of Instat account representatives allow Instat to best serve their clients 24-7. Also, Instat production specialists will provide you with a quick and precise breakdowns of your team and opponents in less than 10 hours. Need a certain game Ready sooner? Instat gives you the ability to prioritize the specific games you want the data for first. Instat also provides free individual player access. So feel free to invite your players to the Instat platform so they can access their page, follow their performance, scout opponents, and share clips with other players and coaches. After each game, they can receive an individual one-page PDF report and video clips with all box score statistics. For more details, please visit instatsport.com forward slash basketball. Again, that is instatsport.com forward slash basketball. 
We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined a shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that you that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in for to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Coaches, are you looking to take your game preparation to the next level? Then Fast Model Sports is the perfect coaching software for you. With FastDraw, build an organized library of plays and drills and create professional playbooks to share with your players and staff. You can also download over 9,500 free plays and drills from our playbank directly to your FastDraw account. Looking for a better way to build your scouting reports and want to include video? With FastScout, Build custom scouting report templates to prepare your team best for each individual opponent. Plus, did you know with the latest updates from Fast Model Sports, you can now include video with your Fast Scout reports and share with your coaches and staff all within the Fast Scout mobile app. The combination of Fast Draw and Fast Scout is by far the best way for you and your coaches to create winning game strategies and effectively communicate them to your team. Over 10,000 high school and youth coaches trust Fast Model Sports products to help their teams reach their goals. To order, go to FastModelSports.com. Use code COACHINGU15 to get 15% off any FastDraw or FastScout products. Remember, go to FastModelSports.com. Use code COACHINGU15 to get 15% off any FastDraw and FastScout products. And welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan, sir. And today, one of the five most influential people in college basketball, John Rothstein. Welcome, my friend. Brendan, always great to be with you. I miss not seeing you in New York City. Uh, I love in the off season, especially when you will put out the restaurants that I know that you go to <laughs> and... I'm eating some of this Louisiana stuff down here, and all of a sudden, uh, I'll look and I'll see this incredible Italian restaurant you're at, and you're telling me every dish and pictures of it, and it really pisses me off. I got to be honest with you, but uh, yeah, there are many great reasons to live in New York City, especially on the island of Manhattan. But near yeah. the top of that list is definitely 
not just obviously the Italian options you have yes. for dinner, but I'd like to think that I've diversified my palate, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, I've eaten more Greek, I've eaten more sushi. I love obviously Asian food. So you can really live in New York and go to a different restaurant every day and have a great meal. So you're kind of a Renaissance guy. Okay. You know, you're not like Adam Shifter. He's a stiff that went to Michigan. Whoa, you know, St. <laughs> Bonaventure guy, you know, I mean, you know, you are a guy, a man of the people, really. I mean, how many guys will post, you know, your trip to, was it Italy this summer? And well, so my wife Greece, and I, well, my yep. wife and I, we uh, we took a trip to France, Italy, and Greece. Our wedding yep. was postponed twice because of COVID. And that, that's planned, the excuse. She might have just wanted to postpone it because well, it was you. She, but, and who, who, who knows? She <laughs> she could leave after, you know, on opening night. I'm up till two in the morning watching UCLA and Sacramento State. But that's, you know, another <laughs> n- another issue for another time. But we have all day. Why not? But my wife and I had our wedding postponed twice due to COVID. So we had planned or I should say she had planned a honeymoon to Italy and Greece. And then a couple of friends of ours from New York happened to be getting married in Le Mans, France, you know, right before we were going to go. And I said to my wife, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We need to incorporate France in this trip. And I said, well, if we're going to go to this wedding in Le Mans, we have to spend time in Paris. And Brendan, I got to tell you, I had never been to Europe. And the experience in Paris, which is much different, you know, food-wise than Italy, because Paris is a comfort food city. You could have a great draft beer and, you know, a couple of baguettes and, and, you know, some butter. And that's all you need. It is an incredible comfort food city. And just a city, too, that feels like a New York or a Washington, D.C. So it was a, it was a tremendous, tremendous trip. But, you know, that is not a fabrication. What I was what I was tweeting when I was in Santorini, I was really thinking if Reese Dixon Waters could really resemble the player for USC that he showed in the NCAA tournament. It sounds like you're pitching right now the uh, the top dogs at CBS that you need to go to Paris to see Metropolitan 92 and scout Victor a little closer. I think a two-week trip there during the middle of the season to see if he's progressing at the level we saw last week in Vegas, last two well, weeks I, in Vegas. Well, I, I am not, not going to be one of these people, too, that, you know, that cross the streams and that, you know, acts like I'm an NBA person. I will prepare for the draft after the season, but during the college basketball season, I want no nothing to take away from the, you know, the intense coverage that I'm determined to provide each and every day. I mean, you know, I'm the type of person that's already prepared to stream the Towson UMass game on November 10th. Year one, you have Frank Martin. Then Towson in this climate brings back four double-figure scores from a team that won 25 games. I mean, Brendan, we're not talking about kickball here. I tell you what, you've uh, already, I have known that you uh, forget the top five. I think you're in the top one. Uh, uh, How did you get this identity that you've developed now of being the guru of college ball? I know it's something you worked your ass off on. Well, you know, Brendan, you know, we've known each other a long time. As a matter of fact, you know, I got my start when you were on staff with the Knicks. And I remember talking to you before I was interviewing Donnie Walsh after I think it was the 2008 NBA draft. And I was starting, you know, in New York at that time, you know, at the MSG network, you know, you were working obviously at the Knicks with Isaiah and, you know, you were, you know, spending some time there, but, you know, it's a really, really long story, but, you know, I had, you know, different opportunities early in broadcasting. And as you know, in addition to 
being the college basketball insider for the MSG Network, which was my first television job, which started in 2007, I was also during that time a talk show host at the ESPN radio affiliate in New York. So yes. I did that, you know, for about five or six years. And in 2010, after working for MSG for a couple of years, I had a choice to make. You know, my boss at the time at ESPN radio offered me a job to host my own show at the ESPN radio affiliate in Los Angeles. And I said, wow, that's an incredible opportunity. But the NCAA tournament that was played before I got that offer was the last NCAA tournament that CBS and Turner did not have, you know, a joint relationship. So there was something called March Madness on demand, because if you remember, the NCAA tournament used to only be on CBS. So March Madness right. on demand was a forum where people could watch other games online. And there was a studio show if you were streaming the games. And I was on the studio show doing the halftimes, doing the post games. And that opened up an opportunity for me to get into the CBS family. So I had an offer to go to, go to Los Angeles and be a talk show host at ESPN Radio. But my heart and my soul was to be on the college basketball beat. So I thought you know, that I had an opportunity to join the cable side of CBS and that could lead to more opportunities. And that's what I ultimately did. But, you know, Brendan, to answer your question, you know, having, you know, an opportunity to expand your role in anything, not just obviously in sports media, is not something that is an overnight success story. It is days and weeks and months and years of consistent hard work, consistently making a good impression and having a relentless work ethic. But the one thing that I learned, I think, at an early age is, you know, there are people that always say, I want to be the next this person or I want to be the next that person. There is only one of us. There's only one of anybody. So as I saw certain members of the media trying to emulate other people and doing something, you know, of a similar kind of fabric, I said, well, if everybody else is doing something one way, I have to do something completely opposite. So I was very obviously determined to be in the information business. I was obviously not a former player. I was not a former coach. I wanted to be well-versed. I wanted to be informed. But I also knew that, you know what? I do love food and I do love culture. And I do have, you know, a personality to show, which again, goes back to my background in sports talk radio. Like you can't just be spitting facts. I mean, I'm in a scenario right now where, you know, the people who obviously, you know, are running my building in New York, the super, obviously everybody like that is getting complaints left and right from my neighbor because last season she said this person is up at late at night screaming at the TV. And I said to my super, look, I had no idea that the Mountain West was going to be a four-bit league. But this is all stuff that, again, is real life that I think is something that, you know, you have to be the same person off the air as you are on the air. And, Brendan, you know, I'm going to – talk about this when I go on a speaking engagement next week, there is no substitute for anything like a first impression. And I remember being a young reporter, going to the garden. You know, I used to interview guys who were maybe in their rookie year on the Knicks pregame show when Coach Brown and Isaiah were the coaches. And I would see how sharply dressed these people were. And I would see, obviously, the impression that they made. So I said to myself a long time ago, I said, when I'm going to make enough money that I can obviously buy a couple of suits, I will never step foot on a college campus without a suit and tie on. And this, this is a little story that's interesting. As I was obviously, you know, in the middle of my quest, 
One of the things I did in conjunction with my role, you know, in, in terms of covering college basketball for MSG and working for ESPN radio was I did updates for Michael K's, you know, afternoon drive radio show. So before right. I went to CBS. So Michael told me one day, he said, look, just so you know, you know, Brian Williams is going to come in the studio tomorrow and sit on the show. And I said, Brian Whoa. Williams, this is incredible. So I used to, when I was really young, you know, NBC Brian about Williams, NBC Brian Williams. So when I was I really it. young, when I was really young, I used to dream, dream about living in New York, working in sports media. Well, how big was this dream? I finished Ithaca College in three years. I graduated at 20 because I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I, when I, I people thought I was crazy because I would always have on a loop in my, you know, in my apartment in college, Wall Street cocktail and the secret of my success because I said, I have to do it. I have to be in Manhattan. Anything north of the George Washington Bridge might as well be Canada. I don't want to hear about it. So I would drive into the city, you know, to work, you know, you know, in, at the radio station, you know, whether it was production, whether it was going to get sound at, you know, a Knicks or a Nets game. And I would see this big billboard on the West Side Highway with Brian Williams and it said reporting America's story. And I mm -hmm. said, this is like what I dream of to be in a situation where I can be living and working in New York. So I said to Michael Kay, I said, if Brian Williams is coming into the studio tomorrow, I'm wearing my best suit. So Brian yep. Williams comes into the studio with his son and he sees me doing updates in a suit. And he said, who is this guy? And I said, hey, I'm John Rothstein. And, you know, Michael, greatest guy in the world, is, you know, is, is cool. talking to Brian. And he's like, John does some, you know, basketball coverage for MSG. So Brian Williams takes a little bit of a liking to me. And Michael is bringing him into the show. And he asks him, you know, on the show, he goes, Brian, just curious, you know, you interview world leaders. You interview heads of state. Who is the one person when you interview them? that makes your skin crawl. And he goes on, on the radio, John Rothstein. So my parents are listening. They're flipping out. And, they, and, they, uh, and, you know, it got to the point where at the end of that, Brian Williams called my mother and told her about the fact that I wore a suit and everything like that. So it gets better. So a couple of, you know, months later, I'm walking through Rockefeller Center. I'm going to meet a couple of friends for drinks or whatever. It's a Friday night. And I see Brian Williams and he says, you know, we're catching up. And he says to me, I didn't recognize you without your suit. So I will <laughs> never, ever step foot on a college campus or make an impression where I don't have a suit and tie on. And I always tell people all the time, there are so many hurdles to get where we want to go in life because there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be rejection. But what can we control? You can control, you can control how hard you work. You can control, obviously, the affect that you have on others in the workplace. Is this person low maintenance? Is this person a great team player? Is this person that people want to be around? But the value of a first impression is something, I think, especially in today's society, that does not get enough of a focus. And it's something that I believe time and time again, you know, we have to continue to obviously look at. And I will say this. I remember, you know, when I told my parents when I was an adolescent, that this is what I wanted to do. They said, you know, well, you just have to understand, you know, this is a really difficult field. We're never going to be able to make a call for you to get you an internship, to get you a job. 
So, Brendan, I would say is the one thing that, you know, I want to pass on is that and I'm most proud of is that I've never had to have anybody make a call for me or lob in a favor to get where I want to go. And with that said, or get where I've been, I have a long way to go in my quest. I'm not near where I aspire to be in this whole business. Yeah, like Nike says, there's no finish line. And uh, mm-hmm. and then they and anytime they develop a great product, they say, "What's next?" And that's who you right. are. So your identity, uh, one that let's what made you different. So whether I'm at UCF Stetson or uh, you know freaking LSU, freaking getting day morning, I'm getting a I'm getting a text from you saying, "Hey, good luck yeah. today." Yeah. Every freaking game. Yeah. And uh, and that was the only positive thing at some of those teams I had to go in that day. You know? <laughs> and, and and that was so thoughtful, you know, but it, it, I think it goes to what I, I'm a huge believer that relationships carve your destiny. And I think that's mm-hmm. where you've really separated yourself. You have relationships with so many people. And if you're and therefore, as you and I've discussed at the Florida Clinic years ago, if John Rothstein calls, damn it, you better take the call or else, God forbid, if someday you need something. And you know what? People take your call, right? Well, I, I think another thing, I don't mean to say is, that you intimidate people, but no, 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 no. It's no, intimidating. No. If you do call me, I'm taking your call. No. And, and I, I think another thing is this is one of my mentors told me like years ago, like, you know, you can't be somebody who's just showing up with a camera when you need something. You can't be somebody who's just blowing up an office when, you know, if there's a coaching change or there's a player that's injured, you need an update or a player is being removed from the program. And I tell everybody all the time, like I have open dialogue with every single program in Division One, 365 days a year. And when I tell people that it's like I have no choice but to be relentless and the most relentless person that's ever worked in sports media because I have no security blanket. My life and my livelihood is on my shoulders. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important to keep in touch. And, you know, technology and technology has helped me, you know, text coaches, obviously, all the time. People might remember game day a little bit more. But, I mean, I text them, obviously, you know, a lot of other days of the week, too, when they're not playing. And it's, and, 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 it's, and it's constant. And there's different messages that I send. You know, one of the things I like to send the coaches now because everybody is so focused on what they don't have in life. And I, they send this too. every day is a gift. Have a great game. Real simple. Yeah. Just every day is a gift because one of the things too, and this is again, part of the joy is, you know, the journey. And we don't realize that, you know, that often, but you know, one of the things when I was visiting with coach Amaker at Harvard a couple of years ago, I put this in my journal. He told me when he was recruiting Grant Hill, Calvin Hill, Grant's father, told him, Tommy, remember this, the grass is always greener on the other side until you got to pay the other man's water bill. (laughs) And I remember I said to Coach Amaker, I said, that's an incredible saying. And I said, I'm going to write that down in my journal. And here's another one. And I know this one's very like close to your heart because of your relationship with him. But and this is another story. When I was starting out, okay, in, you know, in broadcasting. I had the job at ESPN radio. You know, I I might've been making $13 an hour some weeks. And, you know, you're trying to do all these things when you're a young professional, right? You're trying to live in, you know, an apartment, you know, in Manhattan, but you realize like, well, I don't make as much money as Michael Douglas made in wall street. 
And you know what I mean? But and, and as soon as as soon as I get, you know, out of Grand Central, I'm going to try and obviously, you know, go from here to there and I'll be out $60. So that's not going to work. But I remember in addition to having that job at ESPN Radio, I was freelancing for a bunch of publications covering college basketball, covering recruiting. And then my friend's brother ran a private mortgage and real estate company. So I was making, I think, $10 an hour making cold calls for him at night, like I was in Glen Gary, Glen Ross, like it was all these worlds colliding. But with some of the money that I made, I needed a demo, I needed airtime. So I bought airtime at a radio station in Westchester. And I swear to God, two places must have gotten this radio station. It was 500 watts. It was probably one dentist's office and one synagogue. That was probably <laughs> it. But you will appreciate this. It was Tuesdays at 11. Tuesdays at 11, I did this radio show. Again, 500 watts, New Rochelle, New York. We're not talking about WFAN. We're not talking about you know ESPN radio. It's WVOX, okay? And nobody's getting the station. But I made that show into something that had compelling guests and it gave me a chance to find my voice. So like I would work my contacts because I was still working at ESPN radio and I would get, you know, Anton Jameson on one week and then another week because I was determined to get this interview. I would be in a situation where I would, you know, have to get the best interviews possible. I was getting a demo, you know, I was, I was trying to get a demo going after Florida won back-to-back national championships, I must have sent and called, you know, I would say between 15 or 20 emails. to. I remember his name, Fred Demarest. He was the SID of Florida. And Billy Donovan, who you're very close to, came on this radio station. And I I did an interview with Billy, probably took about 20 requests. And I still remember, you know, Billy talking about, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, the quest of trying to go to, you know, another national championship. I think this was 2006 before 2007. So you you add all that up and it's about the climb and trying to, you know, be in a situation where you can obviously feel yourself making tangible progress. And I remember after getting Billy on the air, And watching, obviously, you know, the tangible growth that I was seeing, you know, getting the coach who won a national championship in 2006, talking to him about why Brewer, Noah, Horford, you know, all these guys came back. I remember being stuck in traffic on 287. You remember it plenty of times. And I said to myself, you know, you're close. You're close to getting your break. And it gives me goosebumps to think, you know, that 15 years later, I'm here, here I am, but I still know. I got a long way to go. You know, one of the things that uh, I remember the first one of the first podcasts we ever did years and years ago, Billy was still in Florida. And I said, Billy, I want to do a podcast with you for coaching you. No problem. No problem. Calls me back and he says, hey, what do I have to wear? And it's, right. I'm doing it on a cell phone at that time. Right? And I said, Billy, you could be naked. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, he how did you ever, and I, I, had you ever come up with, I just love the sayings after a game when all of a sudden Tony Bennett wins a game yeah. and you, and you will put out your little sayings or Virginia basketball thing of beauty or Matt Painter, you know, uh, you know, death 
taxes Matt Painter, right? Right. I mean, ha, ha, or our our dear friend uh, Eric Musselman, you know, the importer, you know, stuff like. How did you ever come up with that? Because that's so clever. Well, you know, you can't force any of that stuff. Like again, it goes back to authenticity. Because like, here's the thing, and, and you get this. People are going to give you news. People are going to be able to write columns. But who you have to go back to being authentic, doing mm-hmm. stuff that nobody else is doing. So, you know, I for a long time, for Bo Ryan, had death taxes, Bo Ryan, because Wisconsin, as everybody sure. knows, when Bo was the coach, never finished lower than fourth in the Big Ten during his tenure. So I then all of a sudden when I watch Purdue and Matt really get into a situation where like regardless of what, you know, Purdue was putting on the floor from a personnel standpoint, the product was pretty much the same. I said to myself, you know, Matt Painter's the new Bo Ryan. And I was like, wait a minute, there might be something there. So all of a sudden, you know, that started something. So I remember, I think it was the 14-15 season, Kentucky, as we know, went 38-0, lost in the Final Four to Wisconsin. But Virginia that year was another team that was like a wrecking machine, but everybody used to complain how boring they were and the brand of basketball wasn't good. But I noticed, you know, wait a minute, like Virginia takes high percentage shots. They don't give up second shots. They don't turn it over. If you're a basketball purist, this is a thing of beauty. And I was like, wait a minute, there might be something there. Everybody else is saying that, you know, that that it's terrible. It's like, it's a thing of beauty. And then again, the Eric Musselman one is interesting. Like I've always been amazed and it goes back to Muss's basketball background, how on like one year turnarounds, how he's able to get obviously his teams to play together so well. And he's always moving pieces around. He brings in freshmen, guys leave for the NBA. He gets a transfer. And if you remember that Seinfeld episode when George kind of talks about Art Vandelay, the fabricated guy who he kind of references when he wants to like, was he get get out of stuff with his girlfriend? And remember like, you know, his girlfriend asked him, he goes, what does Art Vandelay do? And he goes, well, he's an importer exporter. And I was like, wait a minute, that's kind of like Musk. He's an importer because he's always bringing in people. So Seinfeld and my passion for Seinfeld, which, again, goes back to my passion for New York, is part of what right. led to that kind of nickname and tagline. You know, Musk is, uh, is amazing. Usually we have the problem with guys like Billy uh, Donovan when they go to the pros. Most college coaches don't succeed in the pros. Bill's one of, Billy's one of the few exceptions that has. Yeah, yeah. Because they usually get a bad team. You know, they get a bad team, you know, and they don't win. But Billy's been incredible. And Musk, though, has taken what he's learned in the pros and flipped it to college like no one else. And now with one and done's portal transfers, all that stuff, he's able to coach guys because he's used to getting guys in in the NBA, whether it's a 10-day contract or whatever, and implementing it, integrating them right into their team immediately. He yeah. doesn't have to learn my system for a year or two. That's BS. And I, I think the guy is absolutely amazing. And who would have ever thought, and knowing Eric for 30 plus years, uh, who would have ever thought that he would be the number one social media guy in America it's for great. a coach? It's great. phenomenal, the stuff he does, you know. And, and, I, and I love that for him, what he's done and stuff like that. You know, and I think that's – but let's – head coaches are such a big part of college yeah. ball. And we've lost two, several coaches have changed programs, but we lost two iconic guys this year yep. from the game as coaches. Coach K, 
talk about him and what what do you think the effects will be of you know losing someone for four decades like that? Yeah, you know, it's we don't have enough time in this podcast to yeah. talk about what Mike Shashevsky has meant to college basketball. This is, you know, I think the thing that I always take away. You know, one of the things that you know I was very fortunate enough, to, I was fortunate enough to do early in my career was, you know, have some time around Coach Knight. And you know, I remember doing, I would, you know, I was doing an interview with Coach Knight. For, uh, for CBS. And, you know, obviously we talked about the topic of, you know, his pupil, Coach Krzyzewski, having such a great career. And, you know, one of the things he made, the point he made, Brendan, this was before they won their fourth national title. So this was pre-2010. One of the things he made, he said, he said, not a lot of people talk about this, but except for the year that, you know, he, he was injured and didn't coach up until the COVID season, Coach Krzyzewski had like made every NCAA tournament since, you know, the early 80s after his first couple of years. And everybody wants to talk about, well, he went to so many Final Fours. He obviously won a couple of national championships. He was the coach of the Olympics. But to constantly be the premier game on everybody's schedule and to be mm. able every year just to get your team into the NCAA tournament was such an incredible accomplishment. Such an incredible accomplishment. And, you know, I tell people all the time, because I'm asked the question, when did this tremendous reverence start for you with college basketball? And I tell them March 30th, 1991. You know, I remember and my parents who, you know, I love them to death, will be married for 48 years next May. I can count on my hand the amount of times they got in the arguments. But I do remember on the night of the 1991 Final Four, my mother and father had plans with, you know, one of her college roommates and her husband. And about five o'clock, my father said, I'm not going. And he said, I'm not missing this game. <laughs> and that was the game where Duke yep. beat UNLV. Leitner made two free throws with 12 seconds left. And the rest is history because up until that point, Duke had not won a national championship. And UNLV, as, as if we remember, had a 34 game or excuse me a 45 game winning streak and was 34 and 0 going into the game and Duke beat him and ever since that moment I've been hooked. Your father was a good decision maker. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, should have been. A he hasn't made a, he hasn't uh, made a decision since, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's what wives do to you. Uh, but anyway, uh, so you know, I I think your new teammate at CBS, the the incredible dear friend of ours, Jay Wright. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what an addition, what a great career thing for him, because I think it, he'll be at, just excelling it. But, you know, give me thoughts on Jay. You know, it's crazy to say this, but, you know, it, he's such an incredible person beyond the coaching yeah. stuff. Just an incredible yeah. person and just the way he is with people. We should all have the ability to be as good and as solicitous of other people as Jay is, but we don't have it. And that's what makes him special. I tell the story again, too. Getting older, Brendan, you know, I have all these stories, but when I was working. It's good for, for your speaking career, by the way. I just exactly. wanted to point that out to you. But when I was working for MSG, you know, we had a, a weekly show for college basketball, Aeropostel College Basketball Weekly. And, 
you know me, and obviously you can tell by this uh, this chat, you know, I never like lacked, you know, for aggressiveness or never lacked anything, you know, for my relentlessness. So I was like, you know what I mean? I got to build my career. I got to make sure I'm getting, I'm securing big guests and stuff like that. So I saw in Villanova's schedule that in January, there was an eight day gap between games. And I noticed after the game that they were going to play that we had a show in New York. So they were playing, I think, Louisville on a Saturday in January. They didn't play till the following Sunday, and we had a show the Sunday prior. So Villanova's playing Texas in the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden. I go to the shoot-around. I remember Pat Chambers, now the coach of Florida Gulf Coast, was running the scout. A.J. Abrams was Texas's best player. So I go to the shoot-around. I watch shoot-around. And I go up to coach after, you know, he's preparing to play Texas in the garden. And he sees this 20 something kid up to him. He's like, hey, I just want to ask you something real quick. And I was like, you know, we have a show in January. There's an eight day gap between games. Would you come up if since you have the gap? And he goes, well, if I come up to New York, I'd much rather go to a play with my wife than be on your show. But I'll come on your show. So Jay puts in his Blackberry at the time that he's going to come on the show. He came up to the show. Now, this was before Villanova had ever made a Final Four. But wow. I told, I always remembered that he did that. And, like, I remember calling my parents. After I was like, I can't believe this guy is being this nice and this genuine. But that's who he is. And it's just, you know, an incredible hire for CBS and Turner. And he's going to be, you know, I think, you know, instantly just an awesome, awesome broadcaster. And just an awesome addition to, you know, our team because, you know, he's such a great human being. Uh, his humility is off the charts. Let's do some basketball, John. Uh, you, you know, you your preparation, your work, the stuff that you've been churning out for the last couple of months, getting ready for the season is incredible. Uh, if you didn't know a thing about college basketball, you this is why I, my belief in college education is so overrated. Take a course in college basketball from John Rothstein and you'll learn more than you could in a semester or a year. Uh, Thank you. Your top 10 teams. uh, My former player, Uber Davis, uh, what a job he did in year one. You have them ranked number one or in your top 10. One. Yeah, Uh, one. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, They're incredible. Thoughts on them? You know, I mean, returning personnel is the biggest, obviously, thing in college basketball, especially in this climate with the transfer portal. So North Carolina returns everybody of significance from last year's team that nearly won the national championship, lost to Duke, excuse me, lost to Kansas in the title game, except for Brady Manick, who was an incredible, incredible piece. But they've also, they've, they've also, you know, they've, they've added Pete Nance from Northwestern. So they've got, you know, I think three guys in their starting lineup, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Armando Baycott, who could be All-Americans at the end of the year. So North Carolina, to me, clearly the team to beat. You know, Gonzaga right behind them at number two. Gonzaga's guard play is going to have, I think, a different feel. I think people are underestimating a little bit. And I talked about this earlier in the week with Mark Few, just how good Andrew Nembhard was at running that team last year. But there's a number of teams, I think, that are intriguing in the top ten. I mean, I think Creighton has a starting five that can look any of those teams that I mentioned right in the eye and be an elite offensive team. Greg McDermott's a great offensive coach. 
you know, Kelvin Sampson went to an Elite Eight last year with two all-conference and one All-American player out of the lineup. You know, if all things are equal, he's as good of a coach as there is in the sport. Kentucky brings back the National Player of the Year. UCLA has a tremendous recruiting class and two proud veterans in Tiger Campbell and Jaime Jaquez. Baylor, Kansas, TCU, to me, are all top 10 caliber teams. So, you know, Brendan, as the saying and the tagline goes, some people have hobbies. I watch college basketball. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, John Shire, for a first year, you know, as a first year head coach, first of all, I think he's really ready. I think Mike yeah. really prepared him, you know. Yeah. And I think he's really he's mature beyond his age, right? If that's, if there is such a, I don't even know if that's just good saying I went to Montclair state, you know, I didn't go to Ithaca, but I went to Montclair state, you know, a PE major. So, but I think he's fabulous. And, uh, and Musk, I don't care who Musk has got all these freshmen and stuff and the importer transfers, the importer, importer. he's got a squad again. He's got a squad again. No, I, I think we can say this. Arkansas has, more talent than it had over the, during the last two years when it went to back-to-back Elite Eights. We don't know if it has Whoa. is going to have the same type of seasoning and experience. That's on must, obviously, to kind of try to figure out between now and March. But, I mean, there are other teams, you know, too. Like, you look at the Duke situation, and obviously there's a little bit of a spotlight and a focus yeah. on Duke and Villanova this year because they're replacing, obviously, two legends. But this is something, you know, as we get a little inside the weeds here – the scenario for Kyle Neptune, in my opinion, in terms of a year one job at yep. Villanova, is much more difficult than it is for John Shire for this reason. Villanova has 31 regular season games. 30 of the 31 regular season games are either against Big Five or Power Conference competition. The only game that isn't against Power Conference or Big Five competition for Villanova is one against Delaware State. And think about this. Villanova's, you know, top returning guard, Justin Moore, currently not going to be healthy to start the season. Cam Whitmore, a potential top five pick in the 2023 NBA draft, is going to be out for the start of the year with a thumb injury. And this is Villanova's start to the season. You ready for this? You got LaSalle and Fran Dunphy on night one. Then on Friday, you go across town to play the best Temple team that Aaron McKee has had. You play Delaware State at home. Then you're at Michigan State in the Gabbett games. Then what happens? You go to the PK-85, you open with Iowa State, and then if you beat them, who do you play? North Carolina. All right, you lose to North Carolina. Who would be on the other side of the bracket? Alabama, Michigan State, UConn, and Oregon. Brendan, remember, this is only October. Fordham look good. Fordham might look good for Kyle at that point, <laughs> but uh, you know. Except but, every uh, two weeks, it's a lot better to be a Villanova than it is at Fordham. Oh, wow. amen! Those Catholic schools are doing much better nowadays. Uh, yes. Let's talk about uh, Kenny Payne at in at Louisville. Going back to his alma mater, your thoughts on the hire and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, what Louisville needed at that time, I think, from a personnel standpoint, you know, Louisville is you know going to struggle this year in the ACC. And I think, you know, Louisville right now in terms of what they can, I think, be expected to be 
in the 22-23 season under Kenny Payne should not be really viewed and that should not be evaluated in terms of wins and losses. A culture of playing hard, a culture of competing needs to be put in place. But for Louisville right now, it's all about the 2023 recruiting class. This program needs players and it needs lots of players. So Louisville on the court needs to instill a culture off the court. They have to get some guys. Good call. Most underrated coach in the ACC is the old man river from Notre Dame, Mike Bray, in my opinion. And, yeah, you know, and one, one of the great guys in the sport. Incredibly human. And, and you know, I don't care. Every year he, he puts and – and he has one of those great sayings that he just loves when teams get old, right? Yes, you know, get old, and, get and, old, stay old is the mantra. <laughs> they have a number – and this is another interesting thing. When you look at, you know – Notre Dame's chemical makeup this year, they have a number of graduate students in their rotation. So they have guys who are men, you know, who are going to be playing in an extra year, which is going to benefit them. And look, Notre Dame, you know, had a little bit of a lull where they missed the NCAA tournament. I did. I was fortunate enough to do the first four last year where Notre Dame had that incredible win against Rutgers. And in a lot of ways, you know, Notre Dame got back on the national map last year. And, you know, Mike Bray, I think, should be able to squeeze out a bid with this group as well. They should be a yeah. team, you know, that's uh, formidable in the ACC. I love the Big 12 Conference. You know, I just think yeah. 10 teams, incredible. Uh, they got four squads in there. I mean, you know, obviously we know Baylor and Kansas seem to be but how about I know you love TCU and Texas. Yeah. Talk about those, uh, uh, Jamie Dixon. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, you know, we what? saw we saw this TCU team years ago in a different conference when they wore a different uniform. It was called Pitt because Jamie <laughs> Dixon has a Pitt type team this year at TCU. And the big thing, you know, I look at, and this was one thing that Jamie really did when he was at Pitt, he did a tremendous job of developing big men who stayed in the program. You saw last Mm. year in the game against Arizona, Eddie Lampkin, who I had watched since she was on the prep AAU circuit, always struggled with his weight. He had 20 and 14 against Arizona. And according to the well-embedded moles that I have in Fort Worth, TCU loves the potential of Xavier Cork up front as well for the upcoming year. So the size, the physicality that TCU is going to have, very reminiscent of the pit teams that Jamie had when, again, remember, he went to 11 tournaments in 13 years as Pitt's head coach, averaged 25.2 wins per season during that span. I've noticed in your reporting that you have these so-called moguls everywhere now. How did you develop that? Well, it's again, this is my goal. When If my name ever comes up, I want people to say he's the most relentless person that I've ever met in my life. And again, people say, well, do you sleep? And I say, you know, it's real simple. We sleep in May. (laughs) I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, Big 10 this year. They had, what, 110 bids last year, the last couple of years. They get nine bids a year. We, we are going to see a passage in the Big Ten this year. 15 of the league's top 20 scores from a year ago are gone. The top returning perimeter score this year in the Big Ten is Boo Booey from Northwestern. In each of the last two years, the Big Ten, okay, has had nine teams in the NCAA tournament. Save this clip. The Big Ten will not have nine teams 
in the 2023 NCAA tournament. And it's so unpredictable because, you know, you're seeing such a passage, all the players leaving the league. And I really think in the Big Ten, if you took the teams that are picked one, two, three, and at the end of the year you flip them with the teams that are picked four, five, six, I don't really think that a lot of people would be surprised. Trying to predict the Big Ten this year, considering what the league has lost, is going to be harder than trying to predict what happened at the end of the usual suspects. Gets me every time. <laughs> what about – I? we love the Big East. Hell of a conference. Uh, this year you mentioned Creighton. We know Villanova. Yes. Uh, but Sean Miller's back in that league now. Big coaching addition, and they left him a pretty good squad. Left them a really good squad, and I was out in Cincinnati watching Xavier practice throughout my preseason travels. I usually get to, you know, between 30 and 40 schools. I I thought Xavier had the looks of a team that had the requisites with Sean Miller coaching to challenge Creighton for a Big East regular season title. Brendan, you know, when I was uh, splitting the atom on Xavier, I came up with this. You know, they were 18 and 13 prior to the postseason last year. Six of those 13 losses were by four points or in overtime. So all of a sudden, if Xavier, who again, returns Adam Kunkel, returns Colby Jones, returns Jack Nungy and Zach Fremantle up front, if they just get three of those games back, they're a 21-win team. They also obviously got another really good player out of the transfer portal you know, in Sule Boom from UTEP, Xavier to me should be back in a big way. And I think it's also to p- important to point out um, that Sean Miller of the last two years, he was at Xavier. And this is when Xavier was in the Atlantic 10. Xavier was a three seed and a four seed in the NCAA tournament, went to the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16. That was in the Atlantic 10. Hmm. Now, a lot of your... Uh... Uh, peers would like uh, the NCAA tournament to expand. You've made yeah. your position well documented. Uh, your thoughts again for our. our I audience. mean, we can't we can't minimize the regular season. I feel like every single year we talk about how soft the bubble is. I firmly believe, and I understand, you know, that you know the first four adds another layer to the tournament. But I firmly b- believe we would weed, obviously, some teams out and we would obviously have things a little tighter if it went back to 64. I mean, it's, ex- it's an exclusive thing to make the NCAA tournament. But here's something that I want to bring to the table. And I've said it again, you know, ad nauseum. and I'm going to continue to say it in sure. order to make the first four more interesting. I think that we should have the final eight at-large teams play in the first four. And if you are an automatic qualifier, you're one of those 32 teams, you have earned the right to be in the round of 64. So all of a sudden, if we have the last eight at-large teams, you are having a more compelling start to the NCAA tournament. I think that's something that you know we, the committee should look at. I like that. I like that. We, you get our vote on that at coaching you. Uh, you're all American. You're all American picks. I, I mean, there's probably no one that knows the, you know the the players. Give me, a, a, give me a, a top five, or if you wanted to be like the Pac ten, uh, Pac twelve, pick your ten, top ten all league picks. Yeah, but uh, and, and you know how and you know how I feel about when those yeah. all conference teams comes out and there's more than five people. I mean, come on. So I I went this year regardless of position with five post players, because I felt they were the five best players. Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, Armando Baycott from North Carolina, Oscar Shibwe 
from Kentucky and then Hunter Dickinson and Trace Jackson Davis from Michigan and Indiana, respectively. I think that when healthy, Jaime Hawkins from UCLA will separate himself as the best wing in college basketball. But I went this year and I felt strongly about the fact that the five post players should have been on the first team. And when I did my Big Ten preview, I named Dickinson and Trace Jackson Davis co-Big Ten preseason players of the year. Yeah, I, I, that's it. The best players, you know, whether it's for anything, I, I think that was great. Um, if you wanted to pick impossible because of seeding and everything, top your final four picks. You know, I, I try not to do that, obviously, until I see a bracket. No uh, one will. No one will see this. This is just for you and me. For me, for us. Um, <laughs> yeah, for us. For us. Uh, you know. You know, I, again, until I see a bracket, I, I know. It's, I mean, it's hard. Who I mean, could, who could be the top four or five teams in the country? Maybe that's a better one. My top five right now is let's see: North Carolina, Gonzaga, Creighton, Houston, and then Kentucky. Mm. Yeah, wow. I'm a little bit higher on Creighton than some, but this is the way I look at it. Again, returning personnel always usurps incoming personnel in college basketball. Creighton's got four guys back from last year's team that went to the round of 32. Now, Creighton did not play at the end of the season with Ryan Nemhard, who was the Big East Rookie of the Year because he had a wrist injury, and it didn't play Kansas, the eventual national champion, with Ryan Kalkbrenner in the lineup, who was the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Those guys are back. They added Baylor Shireman from South Dakota State, who's a terrific player. This, to me, will be Greg McDermott's best team at Creighton, better than the team with Doug McDermott, who was a national player of the year in 13-14. That was a three seed. You know, uh, Greg McDermott, two things about Creighton. Uh, Phenomenal home court advantage, 18,000 people every home game. Great arena. And Greg McDermott, phenomenal coach. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Brilliant, brilliant offensive coach. Not that he's not a brilliant defensive coach, but – He's at another level than a lot of other guys I see at the college level offensively. Is there a Cinderella pick that you have out there, John? Uh, uh, you know, that you, someone that you like that's maybe not in the top 20. That, like, not a St. Peter's. I mean, St. Peter's, that was uh, growing up in Jersey. I never could have predicted that in a million years. You know, something like that could happen. Yeah. No, I mean, that's 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 once in a lifetime. You know, sure. I, I, don't, I don't know if Cinderella is the right term, but I think there's a yeah, number yeah. of – uh, there, there's a number of non-power conference teams that I think have to have outstanding seasons. You know, in, in my opinion, you know, San Diego State, you know, has a chance to be a team that not only earns a high seed in the NCAA tournament, but I think could advance a long way in the NCAA tournament. I saw them practice in the preseason. I think, you know, you could say the same thing about Wyoming. That's, you know, a team that went to the first four but returns players. Hunter Maldonado, Graham E.K., Dayton returns a number of players. And I think St. Louis out of the Atlantic 10, a team that went, obviously, you know, to a 20-plus win season a year ago and brings back Javante Perkins, who was last year's A-10 preseason player of the year, didn't play because he suffered a torn ACL, and then also adds Javon Pickett, who's a transfer from Missouri, is a team that could be really, really interesting early in the year. But remember, Brendan, this is only October. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. Uh, okay, so your countdown, what did we see this morning on our countdown? Is it 10, 10. days, roughly, as we're recording this? Uh, make sure you promise me that you're going to be good to your neighbors this year. 
I can't yeah, make that promise. No. And, and again, okay. and with, with with every complaint that comes, or, or good to, my to wife, good to your wife, good to your wife. That's a better. I'll always I'll always be good to my wife. Yeah. She's texted me by the way when we were doing the Zoom. She said you're screaming. I said, what do you want from me? I'm talking college <laughs> basketball. So this is all a sacrifice that has to be made. But I, like I, you know, my wife was telling me like you know there was another complaint or whatever, and I said, hey, look. On November 21st, Arizona and Cincinnati tip off at 11.30 from Maui. What do you think? I'm going to mute it? Come on. I would miss Bill Walton's commentary. I would miss Bill Walton or Billis. Oh, God. Hey, the next time I come to New York, my friend, I'm taking you to dinner. You're the best. I love it, you know, and it, just so you know, you know, for that type of an invitation, we may need to cash out on some of your retirement, considering what the bill is going to be. No, I, I, I will. And remember, <laughs> I worked at some Catholic school, so it's not all MBA pension. So, <laughs> so, but it'll be my honor and pleasure, John. You're you're amazing, and uh, what you do for college basketball is absolutely incredible. Thank you for me and for all the followers of, and you're good, and you're good for coaches, and that's. And for media folks to be good for coaching, that is spectacular. Well, well, well Brendan, you, are. And you again, really are. No, I, no, I, I appreciate you saying it, but like my thing is this, and like I want to make it clear: when people need to be held accountable, I obviously hold them accountable. But I think the one thing I always, I always tell people: you have to be fair, you have to be objective, no agendas. Mm-hmm. Be fair, be objective, and if you do that, people are, might still be mad at you. But if you're fair and objective, you always have a light to stand on. And that's why I say you're good for coaching. Because that's what you do. You hold it. You're not. You don't play favorites or anything. You just no favorites. Uh, so, no, that's that's what I'm saying. No, I love no, no favorites. No, I appreciate it, guys. And um, you know, as far as it goes, Brendan, I can just say it's finally good to talk to you for the first time in person. I know. It's <laughs> <That really is laughs> good, John. Good luck this season, my friend. Thank you again. Appreciate you. Thanks, Brendan. Appreciate your support uh, over the last decade and a half because you. Uh, you know, you and other people at the garden, you know, you made time for me when I was first starting out. I never forget that stuff. Uh, well, uh, you know, I know greatness. Thank you. I'm a great, I'm a great talent scout. Always have been. That's right. But David John, Lee at 30 in 2005. You got it. You got it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks, Brennan. Death taxes and John Rothstein. Incredible. I mean, John Rothstein, I could listen to, this could be like a, one of those eight part podcast where all of a sudden we could get into, he's the only guy I know that could take the a son and go in depth as he could on the pac 12 The guy is absolutely amazing. Can't wait to watch him this year uh, as he goes on air and stuff. But the biggest thing that I want to remember is uh, all the, what makes him great. And when you watch all the college teams, think back how he can rattle off all the best players and stuff. That's the subject matter expert you want to be in your field. And that's one of the reasons that we developed Coaching You Plus to help you as a coach get better. So I don't, you know, if you can't afford going to clinics or anything like that, or there's no, that's not an excuse not to become better. That's not an excuse to learn. And so go to coachingyouplusplus.com and go on that site and see. We just added two new clinics, the Florida Association of Basketball Coaches Clinic and we also added the, our, our friends uh, from Tennessee, Basketball Coaches Association of Tennessee, their incredible clinic in September. All those you know coaches are there. Uh, amazing teaching. And that's, again, how you learn. It's all in there. We keep adding things. We keep adding content to help you become a better coach. So go to coachingyouplusplus.com. 
for more information. And I know you're going to really enjoy it. It's the most affordable learning opportunity you have in basketball today. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah.